Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It legally justifiable to interfere with a person's right to bear arms, or any other right for that matter. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Uh, not um, today, I'm on until 5.30, but close enough. Uh, I have, first of all, I can hear an echo. Uh, but I have a lot to talk about and we have plenty of time, so we'll get through it all. But I must point out that there has been uh, two years ago I played a clip of Joe Manchin the senator from West Virginia this was following the Orlando Orlando Florida shooting where he said the FBI did everything they could to stop that guy but he never committed a crime he didn't have a record Uh, there was nothing they could do and they said, uh, he said, due process is killing us. Due process is the problem. We should have the right as a government to put somebody on a watch list and watch them for five years. And if they keep their nose clean, then we can evaluate whether or not they get their rights back. And I pointed out, I mean, I was shocked and horrified to hear that. And then, uh, so I played the clip, I put on my blog. But then this week when Trump had a, uh, he had a um, a televised meeting with the uh, legislators and Joe Manchin was there front and center again uh, leading the charge to save us from due process. I highly encourage you watch that whole thing because it's um, it's an hour long, but it, to me, it's this pattern. It was kind of like the DACA thing. Trump had this televised uh, uh, meeting with legislators, and he uh, acted like he was going to give, 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 like he's just kind of stumbling and bumbling around, feeding right into the agenda, like he's thoughtless. People on the left, the right, everybody was uh, describes him as that. I think it's part of his negotiating tactic to ask for a lot and settle for somewhere in the middle. But he's using that tactic against his base. He's scaring his base, and then he's going to pull back a little bit, but you're still going to get something that you wouldn't have agreed to before. And I also think that this, this thoughtless, emotional, impulsive, deal-making cowboy image is uh, another thing, whether he knows that that's why he's presented that way or not, I believe he's presented that way so that he doesn't appear to be playing into an agenda. Yet he always does play into an agenda, an agenda from the left, by the way. I mean, the DACA thing, the Democrats weren't even asking for 1.8 million citizens, and that's what he's giving up. So 
he really he is crafty i'll give him that much or maybe he's just uh going along and they're using him for that but i believe all of this is part of a carefully you know it's like a, a plot kind of so people think that the left right pendulum swings and then it swings back and it swings back i actually think it's more like one of those pirate ship rides where it swings one way and it gathers up everybody from the left and then it swings the other way and it gathers everybody up from the right and that that the people it gathers up when it swings left to right are actually uh it's i i t- coined another phrase the contrary law of democracy where the welfare warfare super state, which is above and beyond parties, was not going to get their warfare from another Republican after W, after George W. Bush. They had to have Obama to silence the anti-war left and continue to prosecute that war agenda in the Middle East. Similarly, I got a call, brilliant call once, which I've mentioned many, many times. The guy said, a Democrat will never take your guns. It will take a Republican. And, and that's true. Uh, Trump is tempering the hard line of gun rights advocates on the right. Even if he flip-flops around a bit, something will get done, and it's something that Obama would not have been able to get done, and that's actually what Joe Manchin says in no uncertain terms. I wonder if, um, if we're ready with those clips. I'll tell you what clip it is. It's clip six can we play clip six uh we still loading up the clips Oops. sorry 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 i couldn't hear you say it again we're still loading up the clips oh okay yeah that's fine i kind of jumped the gun on the clip <laughs> but um so that's what he's saying to to uh trump it's all very clear to me what they're going for uh they they are they're gonna whittle away at the gun rights but i don't think that's the bigger picture. I don't think that's the biggest picture here. I think the really big picture here is, I think they keep the gun rights issue, the abortion issue, racial tension, and now they folded in uh, national health care, which was always the dividing line in Europe, in England, and is what where Brexit came from. But they keep these highly divisive issues alive to keep the two-party psyop, psychological operation, the two-party system alive. But they take these divisive issues, I think, as a misdirection against what they're really after. All they really care about, they don't care about these issues. I'm talking about that welfare warfare super state. They don't really care about these specific issues. They care about control. They care about domination. And in order to have that control, they have, first of all, our rights are a problem for them. Our rights to free speech, our rights to process, our rights to... um, uh, privacy, like the not being able to be searched, all that stuff is a problem for them because we could put up resistance, we could communicate, we could organize. They're really after those rights. Uh, also, information, information they get through surveillance or information they that we get uh, is a problem for them. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. That was that was a tease of the clip that I'm going to play for you. Um, so what happened is he so uh they want the total information state total surveillance information is power if they have total information on you at all times they are really powerful 
And uh, and this what came out after Watergate, that information was used for political purposes. So they had a 1974 Privacy Act whose purpose really was, in part, to keep one of the things, one of the issues at that time was to keep all the information from being consolidated and aggregated and uh, put to where someone could just retrieve all your information with a keystroke and that would give somebody political power. They could use that information against you for political reasons, even though they're going to couch it in some other terms, kitty porn or mental illness or whatever. So that, so in order to defeat that, I remember with Holder and Obama, they did a lot like right after Sandy Hook, there was a bunch of executive orders that made the gun rights people kind of stand down because it was really just about information. All this stuff about getting the states to upload all the information about all their citizens, this fix Nick's thing, very bad, very, very bad. Um, they, they're they going to not only put people on watch lists, but just simply upload information about people and make them more and more vulnerable to political prosecution. You could just get audited by the IRS without realizing it was some like the Tea Party situation, that it was a politically motivated event. So that's what I feel like all that's about. Uh, and... And the mental health issue is real is goes to the control. That one really scares me because uh, what Sheriff Israel was saying right after the Parkland thing was that right now somebody you know has to identify you as a threat to yourself or others. What he wants is for the government to have the unilateral power to identify you as such and uh, and involuntarily take you in. Now, what he didn't point out is that the federal background check system automatically rejects people who have been involuntarily taken in for 72 hours. So they could literally just make, take away your gun rights by taking you in for three days. Then they let you out. You don't even know. All of a sudden, you fail the background check. So you don't see what the implication of these laws are. There's a really interesting law Justin Amash just put out. Uh, it's called like the searchability law um, where they want anything Congress puts out should be searchable. And if there are any changes made to existing law, it should say what those changes are and what the difference would be. And that's super important because this fix Nix thing doesn't say that it's meant to target veterans or target people on disability or part, people on Social Security. But that's the impact. And you and they call them unintended consequences. But they're I think they're foreseeable. We just don't get to look through it all and understand it ourselves. They tell us later, oh, who thought of it? It's very easy to see where these things are coming, and then you can fight it out in real time. Uh, anyway, let's. Um, that was a lot to digest, and we do have a lot of interesting clips to play. So, um, but let's. So that my producer Binkley is here in the studio with me, checking Twitter and helping me with the show. He, uh, what do you have a an on point tweet for us right now? I do. I have one from Adam that says, a right is something you're born with. It's not given to you. That's my hard line. But I'm not stupid. You don't give a maniac a gun, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's, of course, like the common sense thing. But I actually responded to his tweet. I thought it was, um, I, I really nailed it with that. By saying that the government exists as an extension of our right to self-defense, that's what it is. So for the government then to claim jurisdiction over us to negate that right is beyond their uh, authority. And so if they're going to be an aggressor and try to take your rights away, 
you know, their, their only authority comes from self-defense, people's right to self-defense. So if somebody else isn't saying that you are a threat to their self-defense, then the government has no authority to take your right away. They are then the aggressor. The government is aggressing against you. And it's their job to prove that you personally are a threat. And that's due process. And it, it's at the individual level. As a matter of fact, the Fifth Amendment is crystal clear on it. It's not even a whole sentence. It says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, liberty, or property without due process of law. Person, individual, liberty, you must adjudicate it on a case-by-case basis. And you can. And if the government stuck to that with its $7 trillion budget at the state, local, and federal level and did away with all the other stuff they waste that money on, this would be absolutely doable. And uh, I want to talk more about all of this. I do have some interesting clips for you. You can call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Mr. President, the difference is this. There's not a person in West Virginia that believes that you're not going to defend their Second Amendment rights. Not a person. With you taking a lead on something like this, it gives them the comfort that something reasonable, and this bill's been vetted for over five years, and over 70, 80% even of gun owners say, we like your bill, Pat and Joe. We're just afraid that President Obama would take it further and take more rights away. That's what I was running into in West Virginia. Or use that as an excuse not to sign it. Well, this is comes down. Because he was not proactive in getting a bill signed, in all fairness. Well, and in all fairness, this is a bill that basically, with your support, it would pass. Where to start? This is Monica Perez. Uh, it's 60 degrees and sunny outside the studio. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And that was Joe Manchin brought to you by West Virginia voters as the senator, one of the senators from West Virginia. Uh, the, the clip was funny because, first of all, he starts by saying you know, nobody trusted Obama so he couldn't get this done. This is a five-year-old bill that could not get done. But you can get it done, Trump, because my voters trust you and they know that this would not be overreach. He also goes and says 70 to 80 percent of gun owners like this bill. Later in that same meeting, Dianne Feinstein does the same thing. Oh, President Trump, may I see may I show you all the evidence that the assault rifle ban solved this problem? This is just what's wrong with the Common Core. Like the Common Core is they don't have any content in it. But what you read in English is you know, an essay titled Obama was the best president. Here's why, you know, and it's not in history class. You're not questioning it. So they're they're feeding you this information and nobody's objecting to it around the table. A bunch of Republicans there. Trump, nobody's saying 70 to 80 percent of gun owners like your bill. Really? Really? And it didn't get passed because 100 percent of everybody else must like it. Right. So I don't think so. And the only sticking point is that is trust. So you're telling me to use my trust against these people? So uh, Joe Manchin, I just I, I have absolutely despised him, detested him since his first the first time he came after due process in two years ago. And I knew and that's the Fifth Amendment. I mean, the Fifth Amendment, it's crystal clear. People cannot be deprived of their liberty without due process of law. Uh, so. Let's continue this discussion. I've got more clips that point out what's really going on behind the scenes, not the clips you've heard every day since the since uh, this week. 
Although maybe a couple of those. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a man A man On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. The problem we have, and, and really the, the firewall that we have right now, is due process. Yeah. It's all due process. So we can all say, yeah, we want the same thing, but how do we get there? If a person is on a terrorist watch list, like the gentleman, uh, the, the, the shooter in Orlando, he was twice by the uh, FBI. We were, we were uh, briefed yesterday about what happened. But that man was brought in twice. They did everything they could. The FBI did what they were supposed to do, but there was no way for them to keep him on the next list or keep him off the gun buy list. There was no way to do that. So can't we say that if a person's under suspicion, they should be a five-year period of time that we have to see if good behavior, if this person continues the same traits? Maybe we can come to that type of an agreement. But due process is what's killing us right now. That was, this is Monica Perez, and that was Joe Manchin from two years ago. I played that clip on WSB and said, this guy is after due process. This guy is after the Fifth Amendment. And this week he said the same thing to Trump on TV. This guy, Joe Manchin, is leading the charge. But in the background you could hear someone saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, nodding his head. That was Michael Steele, Republican. Oh, yes, of course, due process is a major problem. Of course, who wants due process? I mean, it's ridiculous. And... Same thing with Pence. You know, you think Pence is the is the true blue, hardcore conservative guy. Trump is saying, uh, I'll play this clip for you. We should probably, um, in just a second, if you're ready, I would, I'll take clip two, but just give me a sec. Pence does the same thing. He, like, nods his head and says, oh, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, due process, take it or leave it kind of thing. Um so do we have that clip too? Is clip two easy to play? Yes, we have it. All right, let's do it. Let's hear clip two. I think you, in your meeting with governors earlier this week, individually and, and as a group, we spoke about, um, about states taking steps, but the focus is to literally give families and give local law enforcement additional tools if an individual is reported to be a, a potential danger to themselves or others. Allow due process. That no one's rights are trampled, but, but the ability to go to court, obtain an order, and then collect not only the firearms, but all, any any weapons in the possession or of that. take the firearms first and then go to court, because that's another system, because a lot of times by the time you go to court, it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures. Uh, I like taking the guns early, like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida. He had a lot of fires. They saw everything. To go to court would have taken a long time. So you could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first, go through due process second. So Pence was saying we need due process, and then Trump said... No, uh, no. No, but why would we do... Yeah, no. The opposite. Trump just goes, you know, yeah, exactly what you said, only opposite. And then Pence, you don't see it on the no, on your ears, but he's nodding his head like, yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's a much better way to do it. Sure. And uh, I flagged that Trump was... Um, he said after on Halloween, the New York thing on the bike path, he said, you know, we need criminal justice reform. Criminal justice moves too slowly in this country. I'm like, yeah, I know people think that criminal justice reform means if you smoke pot, you don't go to jail. Uh Uh-uh. I think criminal justice reform means everybody goes to jail and then you have to apply to get out. 
<laughs> you know, like it's that's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's not the government's. The government doesn't have all the rights, and you have to apply for them like a driver's license. You know what I'm saying? They claim the right to a driver's license because they quote own the roads. As a libertarian, I even before the Civil War, the government didn't own the roads. Just so you know, it is possible to have a world like that. And that was the slippery slope. That was the thing. That was the beginning of the end. Um, but I don't want to get too off topic. I do want to uh, let's let's get to some tweets. So Binkley's my producer. He's going to read some tweets. Uh, if you like to hear more of Binkley and I getting deeper into these subjects, we do a podcast together called Propaganda Report, which you can find on PropagandaReportDaily.com. And you can also find my tweets there because if you don't follow Twitter, I actually blog post my tweets, you know, interesting big picture tweets every couple times every week. Anyway, Binkley, how are you doing, Binkley? I'm good. How are you? Totally fine. I um, last week I was like really super depressed about getting censored on YouTube. Yeah, I was stuff. super excited about it. I know you think it's a badge of honor. I actually got many more like congratulations than what are you doing wrong. But I didn't like it. You know, I'm I I feel like I'm a solid citizen, and I don't. I think it's wrong of them to try to suppress what I have to say. No, come on, you're a rebel. Only because we live in a tyranny. <laughs> if we, you know what I mean. If I, if uh, Patrick Henry were president, I'd be all for it. You know, I'd be going along with it. So, uh, but this, when I see them trying so hard, they care so much to get our rights away, and people are really focused on the Second Amendment. I'm, I'm kind of focused on the Fifth Amendment because due process protects all of our liberties all of our rights it's like the first amendment without freedom of speech without the right to assemble and to petition we have no more political control whatsoever and and same thing with the fourth amendment if you can't communicate with one another if you're chilled out from doing that or prosecuted or persecuted for uh uh based on what they know about you from snooping through your stuff these are all problems the second amendment yes it's a problem but i really think that they allow that to be a huge focal point to keep the Supreme Court justices the most important people in the world so that the Republicans and Democrats will always be will will win all the elections because or presidential elections, because those are the guys they always say, but the Supreme Court. So um, I want to get to some calls, so I will stop my rant. I want to get to some tweets. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Give me a tweet, Binkley. All right, I have one from Joe Nobody who says, Monica, after due process has been done, can we agree that there are certain people who shouldn't own firearms? Okay, I will, this, I will say the number one I would not argue with, if you are... Uh, convicted of a violent crime, I would say it is a reasonable punishment for you to lose your right to bear arms. Uh, some people could quibble about what's a violent crime, how minor, whatever, because, um, you know, it's a big step between like a minor altercation and a uh, gun crime. But I would say it could be a punishment of a crime. I also find that if you if you're in a mental institution, there's a mental institution near where I grew up where the inmates are not even allowed matches. They're not allowed matches. They're not allowed knives. Of course, they're not allowed guns. I mean, their liberty, their entire liberty is taken away. If you want to, if you want to take someone's rights away, 
put them in jail, put them in an institution, take away their guns, tell them they can't live in a certain neighborhood, can't live near kids or whatever. It needs to be adjudicated on an individual basis. You need to, uh, there has to be a reason to take the person's liberties away. If I'm not one that doesn't acknowledge mental incompetence. You know, I understand that liberty and, and freedom is a function of the human, uh, you know, human nature in its like normal form. And I don't have a gun in my house because my son has Down syndrome. And I just, I just don't think he comprehends safety and he's, uh, you know, clever enough to be able to open things, but I don't think he would be safe. So I, you know, my personal life, I care about that kind of thing. Uh, but you cannot, especially not the government. So as it stands now, people in your family, whatever, can say, uh, this person's a threat to myself and others. In my personal experience, you can say that, and I've had callers who have also had this experience. They don't care. They are not really interested in protecting you or pe- or the people you love from themselves uh, or from each other. That's not really what they're after. They can't actually handle the load that they have right now of the people who are identified by friends and family as needing this kind of help. They do not handle that load. So why are they asking for the right to designate more people as incarceratable or, you know, involuntarily committable? Because they don't care about the ones that you care about. They don't care about your safety and that person's safety. They want the power to do it unilaterally. That's what they're focused on. They don't want people who know you to have to assent or attest to this. They want to be able to do it. Why? Why would they want that? Because they want to decide who's a problem. And to them, a problem is not somebody who threatens you. A problem is someone who threatens them. So that's what you got to watch out for. And that's why I don't want them to have that. I'm, I'm kind of okay with the way it works now. I mean, I could argue it, uh, you know, on strict ideological grounds. I would have to dig into it a little bit. But, you know, I don't have a major problem with the idea of incompetence. It just has to be uh, specific and just and justifiable and not in the service of a different purpose. I'm going to go to Jerry in Atlanta. Hi, Jerry. You're on with Monica. Yeah, I want to talk about school safety. Um, Every school uh, has these commercial doors that are two-inch thick of wood. They have metal frames. They have concrete floors. It's it's as easy as drilling a half-inch hole in the floor in front of the door and putting a metal pin in there. These schools, they can even have electronic uh, door locks that automatically lock every classroom up. That way a gunman would be trapped in the hallway with an armed cop. This is what I'm saying. Every school should have locks on every single door, and they should. Every school should have a police officer trained and, and uh, you know, very good shot. And every school, because right now it's some uh, children that have mental issues doing all these killings. But the way uh, the lottery and illegal immigrants from Middle East are in here, I'm afraid. Uh, I mean, we're going to have to do this sooner or later. I would rather do it now before the terrorists kill a bunch of children. You know, what are, what are they waiting on? You know. I would say that these issues, it's your public school, it's your law enforcement, it's your community, it's your culture, it's your gun culture. And you, these, you're, you're making a lot of suggestions, which if I were to dig in, I could accept them, reject them, find ones I like better, whatever. We give 40% of the, or the governments of this country spend 40% of the production of this country. And their number one job is to be an extension of our right to self-defense. They should do a good job. The closer to home the power and control is, the more you and your neighbors decide what's going on in your school, which is why 
I don't care if you're in a poor neighborhood or a rich neighborhood, you should not have busing that switches the the population of the school away from the people who live in the community. That is unsafe and it's, uh, you know, it's culturally destructive. You need to take the power back at the local level and make your decisions of how you want to do it there. Take your kids out of public school, homeschool. Maybe the public school uh, uh, experiment is a failure. Now that we have the Internet, it takes 100 hours to teach a kid to read at the right time. And, um, you know, maybe you should put all that money into just having uh, a little safety on your Internet so they can't switch to porn when you're doing the dishes. And that, that could be, you know what I mean? It could be a simple, why does that finkle you're rolling your eyes? I got to take a break, but why are you rolling the eyes? Florida just said that porn was a major health threat to children. Oh, instead of saying that guns were, they said, that's yeah. the dialectic at play. Let's keep talking about this. Earl and Bob, do not hang up. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 53, the forecast high today, 36, the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, I'm going to go to Earl. Earl, you are on with Monica. Yes, thank you. Uh, we are expecting the government to make changes which will uh, impact their rights under both the Second and the Fifth Amendment. I think so many people fail to realize the reason we have a Second and a Fifth Amendment is to protect us from that government that we're wanting to make changes for it. Yes. Well, the whole Bill of Rights is about protection from the government. It's not your rights. It's your rights in defense against the government. Right. And yet the government wants to make those changes, and that's uh, that's very concerning to me. Yeah, because we have a conflict of interest with them. They are not yeah. the ones who should have that power. That's what it's there for. Exactly. It's like... To take the power away from the people and give it to the government, that was the whole point. That's the end of the American experiment. Yes, and uh, the uh, government will take all of the rights that we will allow them to because they want to be in charge and make those changes. So let me ask you this, Earl. Uh, the one thing the previous caller said, because of radical terrorism, because of uh, mass shooters, we should lock down, we should do all these things— those two big threats are the two things Joe Manchin used in order to tell us that we needed to give up our due process. It is a, um, you know, it's in the government's interest in a funny way for these things to happen if what they're really after is more power. Do you see anything fishy about some of these events? Yes, I do. Uh, and uh, being a former law enforcement, uh, you know, there's nothing better than having the right to grab somebody and put him in jail and... Uh, worry about court next month uh that the government again will take all of the advantages possible just as everybody will but it's the same thing and i have a problem with the government de uh, uh, declining to give us every right that the constitution requires or to make changes modifying its uh manner of being impact uh, manner of being used yes yeah, so they could why do they always go for the thing that gives them more power and us less power when it's their power 
and our reliance on their power that when it fails makes us so vulnerable. They're in a public school. These public, there was hundreds of public law enforcement people there. Same thing with Columbine. They stood down and then they use these events to justify them having more power. There was a massacre, the Luby's massacre in the 90s in Texas. Susanna Gratia Hupp made uh, one of the most moving speeches, the best argument uh, in protection of the Second Amendment in Congress before Chuck Schumer, who gave her dirty looks the whole time. Uh, Throughout the show, I'm going to play just a few little snippets from her speech because I could never say it better. So stay tuned for that. More calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, and you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involved. Risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.